Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer, and I've got a fly flying in front of my face. There you go. And welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop Daily Virus, where we discuss, what do we discuss? We discuss the latest news, views, news advice, advice and madness of the pandemic. It is Tuesday, December the 15th, week 38, that's nine and a half months of the two-week flatten the curve lockdown. And we are up very early because we are traveling to the White House today. Yes. Uh, we're going to uh, an event in the White House. We've been invited there. And uh, as such, we run, so we're going today, Tuesday, and the event is tomorrow. We're traveling back on Thursday. So we won't have a virus on Thursday. So we'll be back, though, on Monday. But for today, what are we talking about today, Philem? Don't forget, there'll be the Allen Film Scoop on Wednesday. And there's the Allen Film Scoop on Wednesday, of course. So what are we talking about today? Well, billionaire Bill Gates has plans for us. And they're not that great. And another big oops-a-daisy, and this time it's on the virtual campus. And guess who oh, thinks schools I... need to open? And we'll look at the unlikely pandemic winners. Can I just talk about our teasers for a minute? Yes. Uh, so we had oops-a-daisy yesterday, and that was about Princess Beatrix. I like the oops-a-daisy, though. I well, like oops-a-daisy. Oops that was because Princess, you can imagine Princess da Say, Beatrix. Say, oops-a-daisy. Oops-a-daisy, darling. I Whereas, like oops-a-daisy, But this oops-a-daisy story is about an Irish event. I know that, but and still... And they'd say more like, bleep, 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 yes, blah, blah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that Irish people have a massive problem with... with swearing. Pop, swearing. Foul language. Okay, let's start with Bill Gates. This is an extraordinary piece, and he gave an interview just the other day there on CNN uh, to Jake Tapper, and it's... Uh, beyond belief. Let's let's just have a quick listen to that. Million people in California are right now under brand new stay-at-home orders uh, as hospitals there uh, risk being overwhelmed. Um, there are a lot of governors uh, who oppose bringing back these lockdown orders and forcing businesses cl to close. What do you think? Do you think more states need to consider taking that kind of drastic action and the kind of drastic action we saw when the pandemic first began, or can there be a more nuanced approach? Well, certainly mask wearing uh, has essentially no downside. They're not expensive. Bars and restaurants in most of the country will be closed as we go into this wave. And I think, sadly, that's appropriate. Depending on how severe it is, the decision about schools is much more complicated because they're, you know, the benefits are pretty high. The amount of transmission is not the same as in restaurants and bars. So, uh you know, trade-offs will have to be made, but this the next four to six months uh, really call on us uh, to, to do our best because we can see that this will end and you don't want, you know, somebody you love to be the last to die of coronavirus. When do you think life will fully return to what we thought of as normal back in January? No masks, no social distancing, uh, no other protective measures necessary. Certainly by the summer, we'll be way closer to normal than we are now. But even through early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease and we get high vaccination rates in our country, the risk of reintroduction will be there. And of course, the global economy will be uh, slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. So we'll have starting in the summer, about nine months where a few things like big public gatherings uh, will still be restricted. But, you know, we can see now 
that somewhere between 12 to 18 months, we have a chance if we manage it well uh, to get back to normal. And obviously we're changing. So puke among puke. I mean, you know, the tone, the the tone, the tone, he's tone deaf, by the way. Here he is sitting, the billionaire. By the way, let's just be honest about this. This is not a doctor, by the way. This is a man with no medical expertise, you know, pronouncing about you know, that what we, things are going to be we like. Will not, that the non-essentials in life, people in, life, in this world, and this is the biggest scandal of the COVID pandemic and the reaction to it is that we allowed ourselves to be divided into essentials and non-essentials. And here it is, he's telling the non-essentials, that's you, uh, that, that you will not be allowed to go back to normal until 2022 if, he ha- if he's making his mind up. And it's... How dare you? And, you know, and yeah, and Alex Bernson actually on Twitter just said, you know, at what point are the rest of us going to tire of billionaires whose lives are completely unaffected by lockdowns, school closures, travel restrictions and all the rest, telling us good little proles that we just have to wait a few more months? You know, yeah. when do we stop, you know, listening to these billionaires, exactly billionaires telling us? I mean, why didn't know, Jake Tapper have a, a, a waiter from a restaurant on? Yeah. Yeah, you might. He, or, you know, or, you know not yeah. even the owner of several waiters from a restaurant. I, you know, I would trust them more than I would Bill Gates. Yeah, and I, I mean, and it's so easy for Bill Gates to say, you know, well, we're not going to be back to normal, you know, for two years, yeah. because none of this affects him. None of it, zero. There is zero effect on the beautiful life he has. Yes. He is still going to be eating gorgeous. In fact, meals he got richer, and, and he's, he's probably, gotten. Of course, he has. Of course, he got. You know, and, and you know, Bill Gates. You know, these are terrible people. He runs a malaria anti-malaria campaign, but never mentions DDT. Yeah. Because because he knows that DDT saves millions of lives, but his friends don't like it. Yeah. And even though the science is perf- shows that it's perfectly safe, he won't go there because he doesn't want to offend his friends and millions of non-essential people die. So Bill can get to be in the party circuit and be the philanthropist without, without ruffling the feathers that need to be ruffled. And in this next story, which we just absolutely adore, and this is from Ireland, but we've seen so many of these kind of stories where we have an oopsie daisy, as I call it, or, you know, a bit of a faux pas that happens because of the nature of Zoom. Yes. And I'm just looking at that situation there. And okay. we're going to run out of life in a minute with this machine. Uh, now we'll be fine. We'll, we'll be, be fine. fine. So tell us, Phelan, what happened in Sligo, is it? Or where was no, it? No, no. Ga- Gal- well, Galway Mayo Institute of Technology, which is one of these new um, kind of jumped up polytechnics in, in the Republic of Ireland. So yeah, so Galway Mayo, that's in the west of Ireland, have, has apologized to students after two lecturers forgot to switch off their cameras uh, after watching virtual presentations and were overheard using offensive and insulting languages, to, a language, not languages, to describe what they'd seen. So yeah, the students had made presentations and one of the lecturers referred to by the, by the name as that bleeping and he named the person and then he speculated that there was quote something wrong with uh, uh, one of the female students and the, the other said she felt like uh, drilling her teeth because one of them was so painful to listen to and he said I thought that bleeping bleep and he named the person I thought he'd never he's sick that lad I don't like to eventually I have to do something and he still didn't stop I couldn't take much more. I was exhausted, the other responded. Then he named one of them and he says, well, he wasn't too bad. I thought he was interesting. He was looking at the camera, but the other fella, and he named him, I thought I'd have to get a drill and start drilling my teeth that were so painful to listen to. And then 
with one of the female students whom he named, he says, has Mary something wrong with her? And the other one says, funny, I was thinking that. I was saying before I made a decision on voice and body language, she was slow, so slow speaking that I was wondering. I thought the very same. I thought I'd better check, you know, check the database that they have to see if there's to something. To see if she was special needs. Oh yeah, so they've apologized for this. It's been recorded and it's doing the rounds. And uh, by the way, the Students' Union, you know, pussies, you know, uh, Students' Union president said uh, he described it as disappointing, but declined, declined, you know, obviously he doesn't want to offend his friends in, in the administration, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, I, wonder, I wonder, are the lecturers big lefties, actually? Because that's a very weird response from the Students' Union. But, um, you know, I think that the, the college has apologized, but I think that they'll be hearing from Malernet friends in the court system. Oh, yeah, one of these days. Yes. And another story we have um, is from Decatur, which is in Georgia, right, where right. Um, a group of medical experts have written to the Decatur school district through the newspaper. They sent this to the newspaper basically saying, you need to open the schools. The schools yeah. need to open. Dear Decaturish, basically that's the name of the newspaper, we're a group of public health and medical professionals writing to express our concern about the narrow use and misrepresentation of science in justifying the elimination of 6th to 12th grade students from an option to return to in-person learning. We believe C CSD's decision to maintain virtual learning for 6th to 12th grades is based on a misread of the available evidence on school-based transmission. And by the way, there's a whole list of the people yeah. who've signed this letter, including someone who's been involved in public health for 25 years. Yeah, they make years. a point that there's, n there's no, uh, no setting can be absolutely free of risk, but school has been demonstrated to be of low risk of COVID-19. And also that closing the schools takes a narrow view that fails to account for the science related to student mental health and the protection that comes from students' connection to school and as well as evidence that prolonged virtual learning is having an adverse impact on students in the United States. As a result, this decision has the potential to further needlessly and irrevocably damage the mental health and academic success of children. Um, and basically, they just go on. It's a really good letter, actually. It's <coughs> basically, they say, you know, they go on to say, <clears throat> insufficient attention has been afforded to the mental health status among students in a virtual environment. Yeah. There now exists a great deal of evidence that long-term virtual instruction is damaging many students' learning and development and exacerbates already existing inequities in educational outcomes. While some individual families indicate that their children or ch child or children are doing really well, right? The bulk of families and students have expressed feelings of stress and feeling overwhelmed and early indications show the very negative impact of virtual learning on academic achievement. Yeah, <coughs> there there's is extensive evidence that connection to schools and important adults in schools protects youth from a host of risks, including poor mental health and substance use. These, health, these important health protections are not accounted for in the current cost-benefit analysis shared by the school district. So, I mean, this is, this is, and it's, it's, and it's signed, it's signed by, by, you know, including oh. Nancy Massonier, who is a doctor and 25 years in public well, health. A list of community pediatricians, psychologists, child psychologists, infectious disease epidemic. It's about 25. It's just, it's, it's a thank, you know, and so say all of us. And so say all of us. And we've yeah. been doing a lot on this in the, on the, on the, on the podcast, just talking about the fact that we have, 
that the, you know that this is a complete disaster for, yeah. for young people. But we have, you know, on the positive side, there are some winners, by the way, on the pandemic. And it's kind of the Wall Street Journal has focused on a couple of these stories lately. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, which is kind of interesting, I hadn't thought of that, was hunting. The other one, by the way, weirdly, is golfing. So no, not golfing. Oh, golf communities. Co- golf communities. Very good point. But well, golfing kind of too yeah. as well. So hunting is one of the big winners. And basically what's happened is more the, the huge increase in the number of people who have asked for hunting licenses and gone hunting this yeah. year prior to other years. Because you've got people who are no longer in the city, yeah. who have suddenly escaped. They might have gone hunting for a week or two when they got away out of the city. But yeah. now they're out um, They're out from the city. They're in their, you know, so hunting licenses, they, they, the are story up. says, huh? is up by 12% nationwide from yeah. last year. And fishing licenses are up 14%. So it's people who 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 are doing more hunting, people who are lapsed hunters, and people who are tr- starting hunting. If this trend continues, the Wall Street Journal says, uh, through to the end of the year, those license sales translate to one million more hunters this year than last, according to the director of research with the foundation. So very, very interesting. The other one that's very interesting is golf, golf club communities that yeah. were having a very rough time now yeah. they're seeing green. Did oh. you get that? They're <laughs> out of the rough and now they're seeing green. So I, lo- I thought this was a great story. Um, so yeah, basically- I, I do remember uh, some t- a short while ago reading in the Wall Street Journal uh, that golfing communities were really struggling as people stopped playing golf and it was really hard to sell the houses and keep the golf clubs going. But this has all changed now. Yeah, I, Because exactly. after, after years of slow and sales and stagnant prices, homes and residential golf club communities are seeing a surge in demand uh, and across the, across the country, and people feel people feel insulated and isolated, which is exactly what they want, both in the homes and both in the communities. And golf has went through uh, after overdevelopment in the nineteen eighties and nineties. Golf communities struggled in recent years as participation declined. Golf participation peaked in two thousand and one, with roughly thirty million people playing. By two thousand seventeen, it dropped. Approximately 24 million. That's a big drop. And that means a lot of golf communities were suffering, but now they're not. Now there's been a But it's also that type of thing where people would think, you know, well, I, you know, we're we're living in New York. And and by the way, the story that from the Wall Street Journal features a family who've been living in a really tight situation in a small um, apartment in, in Manhattan. And now, where are they? They're on this, like, they're in this fantastic golf club in Vermont. And it's, they're just loving it, you know, and they're suddenly, they're full-time residents now of a golf club. Yeah. But they're now, because of the pandemic, they have been allowed to work remotely. And this is kind of the upside for certain people. And it's like that thing we did recently yeah. where there are two, you know, we're not all in this together. I think it was, yes. I think it was from our experience and we did that story before. It's such a good thing to remember this. It's very important to remember this. Yeah. We are not all in this together. So people who have, for example, government salaries and you know what my mother and father used to call a permanent pensionable job, yeah. who can work remotely and are told that they can work remotely. Some of them are having the life of Riley, yeah. by the way. Yeah. They are living in their dream, you know, um, what's that called? Like uh, uh, ancestral home, for example, mm. or in some pastoral yeah. setting that they've dreamed about for years, much cheaper than the home that they had in New York or in DC or in Chicago or all these places. And they have the money comes in, the money rolls on in. No one is forcing them back into the office. They have much le- more time on their hands. They're not doing a, def- a dreadfully stressful commute. Mm-hmm. So there's those people 
Then there's the other people. And the other people are, for sure, we're not all in this together. Those other people are people who can't go off and live on a golf course. People who work in barbershops, waiters, waitresses, uh, people who work in shops. And who are now... People who own small shops, who own small businesses. And who are now, by the way, the victims of people like Governor Cuomo and his arbitrary, really arbitrary rules that change by by the day. Yeah. And Gov- Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, whose rules just change by the day, where there is now, as the Restaurant Association in, Los- in California have pointed out, and the judge has accepted, they've made this decision to close all the pubs and restaurants with no scientific basis. No data at all. With no data at all. So, so that we are not all in this together. And for those people, and it's the same with, with children, remote learning, actually, by the way, there are some children but by the way, a very, very small minority who are getting on famously or 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 at least doing okay. The big cohort of children, however, are not doing well at all. And it'll be years before we can really assess how much damage has been done to those. But we know damage. We know for sure damage has been done. There's a lot of research on it. There's a lot of anecdote. And we know about that ourselves. I mean, it's just horrible what's going on. We've got to go off and get a plane. We have to go off and get a plane. That's why we're kind of slightly rushed this morning. So apologies for that. But wherever you are, I hope you're in... I hope you're in a good place in every sense of the word um, and try and do everything you can to stay sane. We continue to recommend 90 Day Fiance. It's a bit of nonsense to watch. That'll cheer you up and make oh, your life seem better. What was that movie we watched on the plane the last and time? And we watched Bad, Bad Education. We're oh. highly recommending Bad Education, um, which was kind of... Well, why are we recommending it, Phelan? Uh, it's just a good story. Um, Actually, there's very little politics in it. It's little a little X-rated, by the way. I just mentioned that. Oh, yes. Just, just a little bit X-rated. It's, it was a me. HBO movie, so it's a little bit, of, yeah, so definitely an R. But a very there. interesting story based on a true story. And again, a bit like the kind of work that we like doing, telling these sort of unreported stories that yes. didn't get enough attention well, at the time. It got a bit of attention, but actually, you know, and it's, it's actually, it's very interesting. It shows what real journalism should be. Yes, yes. It's actually very good it's from good that point journalism. of view. It's very good on what journalism should be. So um, we can recommend that. We recommend getting out, trying not to come in close contact with someone who's going to make you feel terrible um, about your choices in this life. Or, or feel terrible about COVID. When are we going to take the kayak out again? Huh? I don't know. We took it out once. That's once in a, in felt, a twel- felt very proud in 12 months. We're very proud. And by the way, I think Christmas is coming up. We are going to take some a bit of a break during Christmas. We're going to take a break from the virus, also from our from our scoop. Just a short break because we just need a little bit of break. Um, and we will take the kayak out. We have to post some photographs of us out the kayak, actually, Phelan. Because um, we're very lucky. And by the way, when you think about, you know, and we do that, of counting our blessings. We're very yeah. big friends of, De- of Dennis Prager. He's a great man for saying gratitude. You cannot be happy if you're not grateful. And we are very grateful that we have the weather here, that we can get out in the kayak, that we can sit outside and, and eat, and yeah. that we can go out and see friends and stuff. And for anyone who's um, holed up inside, by the way, big storm coming in the next few days, by the way, across the northeast. Um, oh, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll be going into the eye of the storm in a couple of hours. So uh, we better go. We better go. So okay. till the next time. Yes. Yeah, so the scoop comes out tomorrow. The Alan Phelan scoop. You don't want to miss that. Mince pie. Mince pie. No chicken. No chicken. But don't forget to make mince pies. Don't forget to make mince pies, and you get jars of mince meat. Um, in wherever good shops. Wherever are. good shops are. Okay. Bye. Well, good to talk to you, and we'll see you tomorrow for the scoop, and then we'll see you next Monday for the virus. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Bye.